All right, guys, welcome in to today's episode of the Locked On SEC Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Blake Lovell, and on today's episode of the podcast, an interview with Auburn head coach Bruce Pearl, as well as our usual Saturday game previews uh, for SEC basketball. Uh, lots of intriguing matchups uh, on the schedule this weekend, so we will look at those. Uh, but before we do, uh, we will start with the interview with Auburn coach Bruce Pearl. Had a chance to catch up with him on the Marching to Madness podcast, which is the national college basketball podcast I host, uh, and uh, one we've had for about four years now, I think. And uh, we've had hundreds of coaches on the podcast and have always enjoyed Catching up with Bruce Pearl to get his insight into uh, his team, and right now sitting at 24 and four on the season, and getting ready for a huge matchup in Lexington on Saturday against Kentucky. So we talked a bit with him about that, uh, as well as went into the roster, uh, all the different players that have made key contributions for them, and how some of these guys have really developed in certain areas, uh, plus looking at some of the things that have really stood out for him this season in terms of his team. Uh, what's been the main thing, you know, some of the main things that, that have helped them have this type of success. Uh, and of course, uh, since uh, it was uh, making the rounds uh, nationally in terms of uh, the appearance on The Bachelor, uh, we had to throw in a few jokes about that uh, in terms of uh, his appearance on The Bachelor and uh, just the Auburn Tigers in general uh, being featured uh, so much on The Bachelor uh, this season with Madison Pruitt on there. And so uh, he went into that and, and also uh, touched on Sonny Smith uh, being inducted uh, into the Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame. Uh, a great honor for him and uh, certainly one of a kind uh, is Sonny. So an unbelievable honor. And uh, he talked about that a bit as well. So uh, let's go ahead and dive into the interview with uh, Auburn head coach Bruce Pearl. All right, guys, welcome back to the Marching to Madness podcast, and we're excited to welcome back Auburn head coach Bruce Pearl. And, Coach, uh, to start off on a light note here, I, I had to do this because of our resident uh, bachelor expert, Ken Cross, on the podcast. <laughs> um, he had, he wanted to know, you guys are 24-4 and four this year, but he thinks that you've, he's seen your name more on social media for the bachelor than he has for the Auburn Tigers this year. <laughs> well, we, we've certainly got a lot of notoriety for Madison Pruitt, Chad Pruitt's uh, beautiful daughter. Uh, getting into the final four of the uh, of the bachelor and uh, she certainly handled herself extremely well you know for every uh, young lady that's out there that uh, that uh, wants to be a lady and wants to try to save something that God said was sacred and that's uh, something special between a man and a woman and and uh, she's she's lived it and she was able to do it and live it on that show and uh you know, I've got great respect for her, and I think it gave a lot of young women courage that there's something kind of wonderful about that. Coach, I tried to go out here on the street. You know, I bought a rose at Publix, and I walked around, and nobody would take it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I can I, I can understand that. Uh, <laughs> you walked around the streets with a rose, I, I probably uh, would, would cross the street, just get to the other side. Just, yeah. <laughs> hey, Coach, I did want to ask you, my, my man, Sonny Smith, I, you know, I've known him ever since I was in high school. I worked his basketball camps at VCU and all that, and followed, of course, Auburn when he was there. He's announced the other night he's going into the Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame. We just wanted to get your take on Sonny and his induction. Well, I think it's really special. That's a, that is a tremendous organization. And, uh, and you know, Sonny, I, I don't think people, you know, really realize or many people didn't realize that, you know, Sonny was, a, was, a, was a, an East Tennessee boy. 
and mm-hmm. uh, he was from the, uh, you know, from the mountains of uh, East Tennessee and, and up there, Johnson City. And, and I, I think that that place has always meant a lot to him and because it's roots. It's his roots is where his parents were from and where he grew up. Mm-hmm. And I think to be uh, honored in such a way is uh, is really, uh, really very, very special. So, you know, he is uh, he is an icon here uh, and uh, in Auburn and certainly uh, a legend as far as uh, the history of Auburn basketball. You know, I saw you guys up uh, up there four weeks ago at the Kentucky game. That's the loudest and most fervent arena I've been in. I've covered games, you know, in Cameron and Carolina and all those places. Just, yeah. wonder, just, just wondered what the catalyst for you as you came into Auburn to try to grow that fan base and get it to where it is now. Well, kid, I, I think it, there's a lot of things that go into that. Um, you know, I think I think Auburn is a, obviously a very, very special place. We we like to say that we're an everything school, and uh, we support everything. And we're talking about academic things and diverse things and mm-hmm. and uh, athletic things, men and women. And and uh, you know, obviously, uh, we you know we work hard to uh, to to be a big a part of the community. This is home for me, and uh, and we're invested here. And so I'm invested in the community and as, and, and, and because we've been competitive, uh, and played a style and one, uh, people came out, but, but the thing about it is we, they came out before we started winning. I think they came out in the hope that, Hey, I was telling people you need to buy your tickets. Cause I'm telling you at some point that ticket's gonna be worth something. And if you don't, you're going to be sorry. You didn't buy them tickets. I'm just telling you. And, uh, and sure enough, I mean, right now, you know, you could scalp a, a ticket out here for a decent ball game for 300, 400 bucks. And, mm. uh, you just can't, you can't get in. Uh, we've sold hard, sell out hard, turn people away 11 times already this year. Coming up, uh, Bruce Pearl talks about how Samir Dowdy and Javon McCormick have really emerged as leaders this season for the Tigers uh, in their expanded roles. Uh, Also, how Auburn has been able uh, to win so many different close games this year and sort of the the mindset that they've carried over from last season and really over the past several years as he's continued to build the program there, uh, how that's been such a common theme for them in some of these close games. And uh, looking at Austin Wiley plus uh, expectations for the rematch uh, with Kentucky on Saturday. We'll get into that coming up here on the Locked On SEC Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Coach, uh, one of the main themes I think this year we've talked about, you've talked about, is sort of the resiliency of this team. That was the theme last year as well in your run to the Final Four. Uh, You guys have had a lot of these overtime wins, the come-from-behind victories, winning in close games. Uh, I know how important that is once you get to this time of the year. How have you kind of seen that that mentality carry over from last year and now into this year? And plus, I know having those older guys on the roster that can help some of these younger guys sort of adopt that mentality as well. Yeah, like, like I think the, the carryover is the culture. I think the carryover is the work ethic. I think the carryover is the commitment to unselfish play um, and, um, and wanting to make history. Um, I think the winning of the close games has a lot to do with our depth. The fact that, uh, look, late in games, um, when, we're, when we're playing some teams that we've been able to come back and beat, um, their bench was shorter than ours. And now you've got to play your bench. You've got to develop your bench. I'm a big believer in it. And so at the end of games, whether it's Samir Dowdy or Javon McCormick or Austin Wiley or Isaac Coro, they've not played 38 minutes in regulation. 
so they got five minutes left in them. And um, that's one of the things that I do think has has enabled us to win so many close games and and, and, and the overtime games. And um, look, this year's team is not nearly as explosive offensively as last year's team. Last year's team set a record for three pointers, uh, the second most three pointers ever made in the history of college basketball. Last year, we were 10 shy of Villanova's record the year they won the national championship a couple of years ago. Um, and, and this year, we, we don't shoot it nearly as well. Uh, so we've got to be strong in some other areas. And, um, and and this team has managed to do that. Coach, it was so great, of course, to see Isaac Okoro out there running and playing uh, Tuesday night against Ole Miss, uh, you know, three games after the hamstring injury. When you recruited him, did you think he would affect games so in so many ways this quickly? Yep, I honestly yep. did, Ken. I, I thought he, uh, this past year, just like Chumo Kiki a couple of years before that, were two of the most underrated, underappreciated high school players in the country. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, they're both productive. I, I just love productive players and guys that have impact on both sides of the ball. And, uh, you know, Isaac is a, is a, is a lockdown defender. If he's guarding you, you're not going to score that night. And then he's a great help defender. Um, he gets to the foul line cause he gets it downhill. So physically he can score with either hand, jump off either leg. He's an improved shooter. He's a, just a great competitor. He plays to win, and he's totally unselfish. He is. He he, he doesn't. Uh, you know, he's he's the lowest maintenance, all conference type player I think I've ever coached. And so, yes, I I I, I have to tell you, I, I did I did believe that this was. You, if you read my clips back in that, I said probably said you know there aren't there aren't five or ten kids that came out last year's class that I would have taken over Isaac Carl. Coach, uh, Samir Dowdy, Javon McCormick, uh, you know, we talked about the guard duo, uh, Jared Harper and Bryce Brown last year, but you've seen these guys really sort of step up, I know, in that leadership role this year, and you said going into the season they had to. I mean, there was no other choice, and they've continued to kind of play that role, and I've been really impressed with just how they've developed as leaders, and I'm sure you have as well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, look at where we're going on Saturday. We got to go to Rupp Marine on Saturday. We're going to get, go against three great guards. You know, two McDonald's All Americans and Ashton Hagens. And uh, you know, um, but Javon McCormick and Samir Dowdy have have really embraced the leadership and the ownership of this basketball team. Samir is one of the most improved players uh, in our in our conference. Uh, I probably ask Samir to do more than anybody on my team. He's my starting two guard. He's my backup point guard. He's one of my best defenders. Hmm. And he, he, he has not gotten nearly the credit he deserves for being a lockdown defender. And uh, he'll have one of Kentucky's guards. And in order for us to be competitive in Rupp, he's going to have to do a great job, um, you know, in that matchup. And then Javon, you know, he's, 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 uh, he's a warrior. And he's, and he's a, a very, very athletic, um, explosive dangerous player out there and uh he's another guy that's improved a, a great great deal and you talk about you know samir stepping into bryce brown shoes one of the all-time greatest scorers and shooters in the sec and then jay vaughn stepping in a um you know jared harper shoes you know one of the one of the one of the greatest little guards to play in our league i mean that's a strong statement but i believe he really was and jay vaughn's a little garden and I think those guys have both done a great job. We would not be 24-4 and four without those guys stepping up in a big way. 
Coach Austin Wiley was big-time aggressive on Tuesday night. He posted that 12th double-double, and I tell you, he met several Ole Miss Rebels at the rim on the defensive end of the floor. Sometimes I think, I don't know, and I don't want to get into officials, but I think he's refereed differently than the average big man in college basketball because I, I don't think they respect how much his length and athleticism plays a role as well as his physicality defensively. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we got to be careful, Ken, not to be critical of the officials. But I I do agree about Austin as far as um, two things. One, um, he's able to score or at least uh, power through contact. And so there's a lot of contact on him because he's such a big guy. He can absorb it. He and Isaac are the same way. And so I think a lot of times he's getting fouled, but because he's such a powerful player, he's able to absorb it and kind of get through it. And so it gets let go. And then occasionally, you know, he'll step out and set a, a ball screen and he, you know, not intentionally, but he could take somebody's head off. Mm-hmm. And if he catches you where you're not paying attention and there's a collision, a lot of times they'll, you know, they'll see the collision and they'll, the big guy picking on a little guy and, he'll pick up a foul to every single game and you sit there and go, wait a second. He was set. It's just that they ran into him, didn't see him coming. And there was a collision and either it's no foul or, or you know, anything going to protect the screener. Coach. Uh, and finally, you mentioned earlier a little bit about the, the matchup coming up against Kentucky. You guys preparing for that one, certainly a big game. You got to win at Auburn arena in your previous meeting uh, several weeks ago. Uh, you mentioned the keys with the guard play. I know also for you guys on the offensive glass, something you'd excelled at in that previous meeting, you got to the free throw line a lot. Um, what else are you kind of expecting here in this rematch in Lexington? Well, I think, I think, uh, people are under, underestimating this Kentucky team. Uh, this is a Final Four team. They were last year as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they've got a lot of experience back. Um, they're outstanding defensively. Richards is dominating inside. Uh, EJ's improving as a power forward. Those three guards, there's probably not three guards in the country that's any better than those three combined as far as what they do. They're shooting the ball better. They've won, what, 12 out of 14 or something yeah. along those lines. I mean, they're one of the hottest teams, and they get they just – you know, because they had, they had they had a bad loss early in the year, um, they just and so therefore, I quite frankly, I think they're hungry. I think they're humble. I think they're poised uh, to 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 really make some noise this year in, in the postseason. And and it, it, you know, it'll start on Saturday. Not very often in my career. I don't know ever in my career if I could ever say, yeah, well, we're you know we're coming off of having beaten Kentucky the last two times we're playing them. And we're looking for three in a row. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that I've ever said that. Mm-hmm. Um, no, you know, nor nor do I. I say that in jest because right, um, it is just. Uh, I'll tell you, they're playing great defensively. They're they're they're, they're really hard to score on. Emmanuel uh, quickly. Oh. oh, oh, quickly is is. Uh, you know, he's having a great second half to the SEC season. You know, Hagens makes it all go. You know, Richards is, is dominant. And they've got they've got all our pieces. Their their coaches develop their bench. They run. They're, they're the most physical offensive team in our league by far. The way they run their offense and when they screen to get those guards open, you 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 know you better just you better bring. They don't get credit for being as well coached and as physical a basketball team as they are. 
Coach, uh, we always enjoy it. And as we said, I know it's a busy time of the year. We thank you as always for coming on with us and look forward to seeing you here in a couple weeks in Nashville at the SEC tournament. Well, I appreciate that, Ken. I appreciate that, Blank. Thanks for understanding. I'd love to get on with you guys more often, but it's a booger. Thanks again to Auburn head coach uh, Bruce Pearl for joining us. Uh, Always a fun conversation. And coming up here on the Locked On SEC podcast, we look at Saturday's matchups uh, around the league. Uh, Lots of ones that could factor into the bubble conversation. Uh, Several teams in need uh, of victories in sort of must-win situations. Uh, And with that uh, big rematch with Auburn and Kentucky, uh, what we could see uh, in that one. We'll look at those uh, coming up next here on the Locked On SEC podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And we dive into the Saturday game previews uh, for all the matchups uh, on the SEC schedule. As always, uh, my picks are purely for fun, and uh, I would not advise uh, any betting or anything of that like uh, on my individual predictions. Uh, If you go back and listen to uh, the first episode we did these, and if you go back and sort of read my work, Uh, For several years, you know that I have fun doing the the game-by-game predictions, but uh, ultimately, they don't really mean a whole lot. Uh, They're just uh, sort of taking a wild guess uh, based on how SEC basketball has uh, gone over the years in terms of the unpredictability. So uh, keep that in mind as we go through these games. So we start with Texas A&M and LSU. I think the the main theme in this one is going to be, can LSU play better defense? And that's the theme we've been talking about. Um, LSU won the first meeting in overtime in January, but it is worth noting that it was an 89-85 type of game. So uh, the Aggies were able to score in that one. Uh, if they score 80 again here, um, you know they're going to have a chance to be right there in the mix uh, to get a win. Uh, Texas A&M did, he, did hit 14 three-pointers in that game, which as we've said recently, um, the Aggies have shot it a lot better. I think that overall three-point percentage that they have where they still rank, I think, 347th, somewhere in there, 342nd, one of those two. Uh, in three-point percentage nationally, uh, that's a lot to do with just their struggles for the bulk of the year, but they've actually shot it a bit better recently. Um, and when you look back at that first game, too, LSU shot 68.2% from inside the arc, and that's what LSU has to do to win games. They've got to be able to, to score it you know, inside of the perimeter because they're just not a great three-point shooting team. Um, but uh, this is going to be a challenge. I mean, Texas A&M has four road wins in SEC play. Uh, That's pretty impressive when you think about it, and uh, it's all about how LSU responds from that matchup uh, at Florida where they lost by 15 uh, earlier in the week. So uh, I'm going to pick LSU 79, Texas A&M 70. I feel like the Tigers should be able to at least have a chance to bounce back here. Uh, It will not be easy against an improving Texas A&M squad, uh, but LSU at home, they they really need to pick this one up uh, to try to get some sort of momentum back uh, after that road win in South Carolina. But then uh, they sort of lost it uh, when they lost that game uh, at Florida. Uh, Vanderbilt is at Ole Miss. Um, This is one where you look at the Commodores, a team that that sometimes does rely on the three-pointer. You know, they, they need to be able to hit shots from outside, I think, to win games. But the theme has continued to be uh, that Ole Miss very good at defending the three-pointer this season. Uh, they still rank very high nationally in that category. Uh, I think it's still in the top 15. Uh, but uh, Vanderbilt has also played pretty well on the road recently. We mentioned A&M uh, being a team that, that's improving on the road. Vanderbilt has actually been on a lot of games they've played uh, here recently on the road. So that's something to keep in mind in this one. Uh, Ole Miss just you know had that stretch where – 
you know, they've played really well at times. You look at those that Kentucky game, the Missouri game at Auburn, um, you know, losing those games. And really, I mean, they, they had their chances at Auburn too. So uh, aside from that Alabama game, this is still a team that, that's just playing well. They're just not able to to find enough wins and there are some areas that they have to improve in and uh, this is one where you know if you're gonna have a chance to snap your four game losing streak this seems like a good spot to do it uh so i'll pick old miss 75 vanderbilt 68 in this one feels like the rebels uh should be able to pick up a victory uh but uh will not be easy because of the commodores uh very improved and uh saving lee uh, scotty pippen jr playing some good basketball right now uh and they will have to combat uh the really good guard play from Ole Miss, uh of course led by free and tyree and Devontae schuler uh florida is at tennessee the gators are trying to keep their momentum going um and you know we we sort of look at the gators now and feel like that they're a team uh that you can trust a bit more than you could have probably several weeks ago uh because they are putting it together and they're realizing their potential uh meanwhile tennessee you know still struggling on offense uh this is a team that has just had these stretches on offense where they're not able to keep up and that's resulted and some interesting results for them here recently and not ideal results. Uh, of course, we go back to that game against Auburn where they had the big lead. Uh, and then in Arkansas, they just sort of ran into a buzzsaw in terms of the Razorbacks uh, just playing really well and you know just couldn't find enough offense to keep up uh, with what Mason Jones and Isaiah Joe were doing in that one. Uh, but Tennessee still is a team that's, that's good enough defensively. And I know they did give up 86 to Arkansas, uh, but they are good enough de- defensively and have the size – uh, to at least you know be able to uh, I think gives Florida some problems here and uh, they have to prevent you know scoring at the rim I think the Gators one of the, the areas they've really excelled uh, has been off the dribble and Andrew Nimpard guys like that able to drive and that gets easier buckets uh, I've said you know that Florida's a much better attacking team most of the time than it feels like than they are a jump shooting team and so if Tennessee can force Florida try to get you know scoring at the rim um, the Vols could use their size to, to make it more difficult. Uh, but forcing Florida also to shoot outside is a recipe for success for Tennessee here. And, um, you know, I think that's what they have to do uh, to be able to win this game. Probably going to, to be a lower scoring type of game. Now, every time I say that, it seems like we get a shootout. Uh, but uh, this is one that feels like it could be a grinded out type of game based on how these two teams have played and based on uh, not really knowing what you're going to get from Tennessee on the offensive side of the court. Uh, So I will pick Florida 62, Tennessee 58. I think it's going to be a hard-fought game. I think it's another one, you know, between these two teams, which we're used to over the years, probably going to come down to the wire. Uh, But even though it's on the road, I just, I mean, I didn't think Florida played terrible at Kentucky. And because of how well they played at home, the confidence that they have, uh, they should be able to pick up another win here, but will not be easy. And also, you know, would not be surprised uh, if the Vols were to bounce back in a big way and get a victory here. Mississippi State is at Missouri. Uh, it's a must-win for the Bulldogs, uh, no other way to put it. They can't afford to lose this game, being where they are on the bubble uh, as one of the first four uh, teams out in Joe Lenardi's latest bracket. And, um, you know, the first game went Mississippi State's way in a, in a big way, 27-point um, win in Starkville, the first time these two teams played. And, and But Mississippi State's another team that does play differently at home, and we've said that a lot about SEC teams. Um, there's just so many of them that, that play a lot differently at home, and you could say that about teams uh, all throughout college basketball. Uh, Missouri only shot 5 of 25 from three-point range in the first meeting between the two, and when you consider that they seem to shoot it much better at home, 
that's something that, that Mississippi State has to focus on because we have seen Missouri come out and just shoot the lights out uh, when they're in Columbia. Uh, so I don't know that I would necessarily look at that previous game and think that you're going to get that same uh, type of shooting performance because we've seen otherwise in games like this. Um, you, you know, it, it is one where every every bubble team we talk about here, and we're going to get to the others here in a second, it's just you have to keep winning. That That's all there is to it. And, you know, this isn't exactly, I think, a great spot for Mississippi State. Um, you know, the toughness of Missouri getting two key players back and Jeremiah Tillman and Mark Smith at Vanderbilt, uh, that wasn't the prettiest game, but it was the type of game that I think now you get these guys back into the mix, you get some minutes for them, and now, you know, you start to push those minutes maybe a little bit more, and then you're, you know, you have a pretty deep rotation now if you're Missouri, and that's something that I think Conzo Martin can work with here and potentially uh, help the Tigers finish strong going into the SEC tournament. Um, but I'm going to pick Mississippi State 73, Missouri 71. I do think it's a toss-up, um, maybe one of the, you know, the biggest toss-ups on the schedule for this particular Saturday. Uh, because I, you know, it could go either way, and uh, I could see Missouri come out, shoot the ball really well, and take care of business. I could also see Mississippi State come out, pick up a statement type of win uh, based on knowing where they're at in the NCAA tournament race. Um, so, uh, but I, I'll go with the Bulldogs. I feel like that they're going to have a chance uh, to pick up a win here, and uh, this should be one of the better games uh, on the slate. And then Auburn is at Kentucky. We talked about that with Bruce Pearl. Um, his expectations for the game, he mentioned the keys to it, and, and there are a lot of keys on both sides. Um, you know, I, I sort of brought up looking at what Auburn did in that first game. They they really attacked the glass. They had 17 offensive rebounds. They got to the free throw line 44 times. They made 35 of those. And getting those offensive rebounds, you know, that gives you more opportunities to, to draw fouls on second chance point opportunities. Um, and I think that's going to be another key here because, you know, you, you can't expect, and we've seen this from Auburn, you can't necessarily expect to go on the road and knock down 15 threes this year. This is a different type of team, and you heard Bruce Pearl say that, you know, based on their explosiveness on offense. So you've got to find those second chance opportunities, and that's something they did in the first meeting that they're going to have to do again here. Uh, Kentucky also got to the free throw line quite a bit. They got there 24 times, so uh, 20 less times than Auburn, but still getting there 24 times uh, is pretty good, and I think that'll be the same strategy for them here. We, you know, we mentioned that as a strength for Kentucky uh, is getting to the free throw line, getting points there, using their quick guards to be able to attack the paint and have opportunities at the rim. And that's going to be sort of a very similar type of play I think you're going to see on both sides. Auburn would probably love to force Kentucky into shooting uh, a lot of outside shots. So we, you know, they're not the same shooting team at home in terms of their three-point numbers as they are on the road. And quite frankly, Kentucky has played better on the road uh, here as of late than they have at home, you know, which is sort of weird when you think about the dynamics we've, we've mentioned with all the other teams in the SEC. Um, so it's going to be interesting here. I mean, this is a, a must-see type of game. You know, after Auburn won the previous meeting by nine, it's kind of funny to think back at this game last year that these two had around the same time. This is where Kentucky won it by 27, and then from there, Auburn just took off, made it to the Final Four. That was kind of the turning point for the Tigers. Um, this is a great game, and uh, I probably still, even with, with Auburn, I just I feel like Auburn's going to have actually a pretty good chance to win this game, and I don't know that a lot of people think that based on how they played away from home, uh, but it does feel like their actual matchup with Kentucky, they match up a lot better than a lot of other teams do. Uh, but 
I will pick Kentucky, 77 to 74 here. Um, it's another one that, that feels like a toss-up just based on uh, knowing how Auburn likes to attack and knowing uh, some of the strengths that Kentucky has. Uh, lots of fairly talented players on the floor. Uh, so this is undoubtedly going to be one of the most exciting games of the day uh, in college basketball. Arkansas on the road at Georgia, as we said with Mississippi State. Uh, the Razorbacks cannot afford to lose this one. Uh, they could go 2-1 and one down the stretch. But ideally, if you're going to lose a game in these final three, it probably needs to be LSU and not the Georgia or Texas A&M because uh, both of those losses are going to ding you a little bit on your resume. A loss to LSU wouldn't have the exact same impact, although you'd love to get that victory if you're at Musselman and company. Um, you know, Georgia's starting to play a bit better. They're one that, that maybe feels like with Anthony Edwards knowing what he can do, but other guys around him too are making big plays here in some of these recent games. They had the tough loss against South Carolina. Um, and when you really you compare the two teams, Arkansas's biggest strength, they're still number one in the country in three-point focal defense, but I don't know if that's really going to be a huge factor here because Georgia's not a team that we're used to seeing as a you know a top-tier three-point shooting type of team. Uh, so it may not exactly you know factor into the mix much here at all. Uh, but uh, this is one, too, that, that may be one that – you could actually see, you know, going either way here, and I think it's because of Anthony Edwards' ability to take over a game, and uh, because of what we've seen from Mason Jones, he can do the same thing. Isaiah Joe can do the same thing. Uh, knowing what's on the line, I feel like Arkansas is going to step up to the challenge, and I don't think this is going to be one that's going to be very easy. Like I could see this coming down to a final possession uh, because I, I feel like Georgia is playing with a lot more confidence. They're still young. Uh, they're still struggling with some of these areas that, that they've struggled with all season long, but yet they are, are starting to, I think, play a bit better together. I mean, we're seeing that chemistry uh, come together. I know it's late in the season, and I know Anthony Edwards is off to the NBA, but uh, I really, you know, I think Georgia's playing pretty well right now. So uh, not going to be an easy task for the for the Razorbacks to go on the road, but I will pick them. 81-78 to 78, uh, should be a pretty fun game from an offensive standpoint, I would think, even as well as Arkansas plays on defense uh, with Mason Jones dueling it out with Anthony Edwards and Isaiah Joe throw him in the mix too. Uh, but uh, must-win game for Arkansas, and if they can do that, uh, they will go into that LSU game uh, next week with a ton of confidence as they try to play their way into the NCAA tournament. And uh, we wrap it up with South Carolina at Alabama. Uh, John Petty's injury status is going to determine everything here, uh, for me at least, in, in kind of previewing this game and, and trying to figure out how it could unfold. Uh, I'm recording this on Thursday night, so uh, no status. You may be listening to this on Friday or Saturday. We may know his status for the game. Uh, but uh, I, I'm going to assume that John Petty is not going to play in this game. Now, that, again, there's no inside information. That's just me looking at that injury and saying, I don't know how serious it is, uh, but it seems like you know they just played a couple days ago, and uh, I feel like it would be really hard for him, even if he were to play. Uh, we have no idea how effective he would be able to be uh, given that that type of injury. Um, so I mean, that, and that hurts Alabama because not only is he a scorer, uh, but as we we've talked about a lot throughout the season, um, you know he's a good defender, he's a good rebounder, and and he's someone that you really need to have on the floor. You know, like Herb Jones, but in a different sort of manner. Um, you know, both of those guys need to be on the floor for Alabama to be successful, and so that's something that could factor in here. Uh, it really is a must win for both teams when you look at their uh, NCAA tournament hopes uh, and how they could get there. It's a quad one win opportunity for South Carolina at this point. Um, you know, based on where Alabama finishes, we don't know, but uh, I think Alabama 
you know, you have to attack South Carolina. Uh, they are still ranking 349th nationally in total fouls. So a team that you can draw fouls against and a team that you can get to the free throw line against. But that's something we've seen with Alabama to where maybe sometimes they really rely on the three, and, and they should a lot of the time because they're really good at shooting the three. Uh, but if the threes aren't falling, this is the type of team you have to attack because they do foul a lot. And Alabama getting to the free throw line would be a huge key here, I think, for Nate Oates' team uh, to be able to find a way to shoot a lot of free throws in this game uh, because South Carolina, really good defensively when it comes to uh, defending the three. They're 21st nationally in three-point defense, so probably won't be easy uh, to get a lot of good looks on a team like the Gamecocks. Uh, but uh, th- this is another one. Should be fun. Uh, both teams need to win it. If I'm under the assumption that John Petty isn't going to play, I find it very hard to pick Alabama, even though they're at home, uh, even though that they are facing a must-win situation. Uh, I just, I really think South Carolina uh, is a team to watch here, and they have good depth. Uh, we've found, we've seen them find ways to win some of these games. I know they didn't against LSU, uh, but uh, you know they found a way to win that Georgia game. wasn't necessarily pretty, uh, but they found a way to win, and, and that's what you got to do this time of year is just win games. So I'm going to pick South Carolina 71, Alabama 69. And this is one that, you know, again, it's it's just like a lot of the others. Uh, it's a toss-up, and not knowing John Petty's injury status, uh, it makes it really hard to know exactly uh, how this game could unfold. But I know Alabama fans should be happy. Me picking against them uh, is the continued trend. Uh, it seems to be a very successful trend uh, if you're an Alabama fan. So uh, you at least uh, have that uh, to lean on here uh, in this game. But uh, that'll wrap up uh, this episode of Locked on SEC Podcast. Be sure to subscribe. Head over to any podcast app you use, just search for Locked on SEC. And uh, again, if you enjoy the podcast, uh, be sure to take a few seconds, leave a nice uh, five-star rating or review. That helps the show reach more people. And for everything else, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at TheBlakeLevel. And uh, thanks, as always, for listening. Have a good weekend, and uh, I'll talk to you guys next time here on the Locked on SEC podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network.